Hey friends, hope you're having a great week. We are cruising right along in the book of Ecclesiastes. This week we are talking about chapter 11. And it says, Send your bread on the surface of the water, for after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or the north, the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. One who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so also you don't know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, since they will be many. All that comes is futile. Rejoice, young person, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the desire of your eyes. But know that for all of these things God will bring you to judgment. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain from your flesh because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. Solomon starts out in these first couple verses talking about sending your bread on the surface of the water. And when you read that, you're like, what in the world is he talking about? You know, a lot of guys connect it to verse 2 and just saying, hey, be generous. Send your bread out. Don't worry about where it goes. And there's another way to look at these verses through the lens of investing. And so when it says, send your bread on the surface of the water, he's talking about sending goods across the water. And after many days, hopefully, your investment gets returned. When we think about investing in our lives or investing in the kingdom of God and leaning into what God's calling us to, it's not always an immediate return. A lot of times there might be some uncertainty, and we just have to have faith and plant and water where God's calling us to. I just had a 401k meeting with some people, and uh, this financial lady was explaining how the 401k was set up and how to set it up. And she was talking about how it might not be a big deal to put 50 or or $100 or $10 even into the 401k, but how eventually that investment grows exponentially over time. And that investing is really a long game. And that we don't always see immediate results. And serving the Lord is a lot like that. It's a long game. And even though we hope that we'll see immediate results, a lot of times that's not the case. That's certainly the case when we think about people's lives. Like, we, we get the concept, if you put the seed in the ground, it takes time to germinate and it sprouts up. And, and, and we have patience for that, as much patience as we can have. But a lot of times in our own lives, when we think about investing in people and making those investments into people's lives— we're frustrated because we see one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, five steps back, and we're like, what is going on? Am I wasting my time with this person? But this is just a great reminder that we need to be watering and planting and letting God give the growth. That That's up for him. I, I came across this uh, story, and I'll, I'll try to read through it really quick, uh, but I think it's really it, it really impacts me at least. Edward Kimball was a shoe salesman who worked alongside a guy named Dwight. Edward shared the gospel with Dwight, and Dwight accepted Christ. In 1958, Dwight's last name was Moody. We know him as D.L. Moody, who is one of the great evangelists in history. 
Years later, when Moody was preaching, a guy named Frederick Meyer was deeply stirred, and as a result, he went into his own nationwide preaching ministry. On one occasion, when Meyer was preaching, a college student named Wilbur Chapman heard him and accepted Christ. He went out and began to share the gospel and employed a young baseball player named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday ended up being one of the greatest evangelists of his generation. When Billy Sunday preached the gospel in Charlotte, North Carolina, it was such a great meeting that he was invited back. But when he couldn't be there, Sunday recommended another guy named Mordecai Ham. Ham went to Charlotte and preached, but not many people responded to him and his invitation to accept Christ. But one of the last nights, a tall, lanky boy who worked at a local dairy farm walked in. His name? Billy Graham. Now, think about that chain, which is an amazing chain, but it began with a worker talking to a co-worker about Christ. What if he said, oh, this is going nowhere? I mean... We're supposed to be selling shoes, man. That chain affected the world. And I'm, I'm confident that when Edward Kimball was sharing the gospel over shoe salesmen with uh, Dwight, did he think, I'm going to change the world by leading this guy to Christ? Our investments can be such that we may not. And, you know, directly, he didn't. And so we look at that and we say, well, he was a, he, he, he only found, the only person he led was one person. And maybe you're thinking, I've, only, I've never led anybody to Christ, or I've only led one person. You don't know. Keep that investment going. Don't get discouraged with that. And in verse 4 it says, One who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. And he's talking about the reality that a lot of times we are risk-averse. We want to make sure that we're investing in a sure thing, both in our money and a lot of times as we follow the Lord. Verse 4 is talking about this farmer that's just waiting on the side for the perfect situation to go do the work. And the truth is, there's never a perfect time and a perfect situation. We just have to take advantage of the opportunities as they come. And we just have to use the time and the talents and the treasures that God's given us wisely. In Luke 19, Jesus tells a parable, and it talks about uh, three different servants who are given a mina. Each servant got one mina, and the king left for a while, and then he came back and wanted to know how much they had made in business. And the first one came and said, hey, I took your one mina and got you ten. And he says, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very small matters, you're going to have authority over ten towns. And the other one comes and says, hey, I, I took yours and, and got five. And then the third one comes and says, here's your mina. I've kept it safe in a cloth because I was afraid of you since you're a harsh man. You collect what you didn't deposit and reap what you didn't sow. And then the king says, I will condemn you by what you have said, you evil servant. If you knew I was harsh, collecting what I didn't deposit and reaping what I didn't sow and reaping what I didn't sow? Why then didn't you put my money in a bank? And when I returned, I would have collected it with interest. The third servant didn't do anything with the mina that he had been given. And some of the things that I was reading was talking about how not only did he not do anything with it, but this allowed him to do whatever he wanted during that time. The other servants were actually doing work. And he was just hanging out, doing whatever he wanted, keeping that one mina 
in his cloth. We've all been entrusted with gifts by God. And are we using those gifts and talents and treasures and the time that he's given us, or are we waiting on the sidelines for the perfect situation, for the time that it's maybe it's guaranteed a little bit more, that it's going to work out, that we're going to see the results. So we hold on to these opportunities, and we kind of just stay stuck. And we let this fear or uncertainty stop us from stepping out in faith. But like it says in, in verses 5 and 6, we don't know the work of God who makes everything. And so sow your seed. Don't let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other or both of them will be equally good. Are there situations or opportunities or relationships that we're holding back on because we're not sure what might happen or or how it's going to go, that instead we need to trust God and do something with them, invest our time into those things. Yeah, invest our lives. Like I think that's the caution that comes up with life is sweet uh, because it, it is sweet. And, and if you read through that, you kind of get the idea of life is sweet. Well, yeah, he's talking about being young, enjoying youth because darkness is coming. What does that look like? Does that mean we should just be living like young teenagers, running around scurrying and everything, throwing caution to the wind? No, but it it probably does mean that we need to be living our lives in such a way that we don't have regret. And yeah, if left there, it could be very hedonistic, right? Like, wow, you're just saying do what you want? No, because it says, remember that God will judge you in everything you do. Um. So Augustine had this saying, and I love it, um, and it was, love God and do what you will. And a lot of times I think that we get caught in this swirling eddy where we just don't know what to do because we think, ah, oh, I don't know if I should do this or that. Why don't you do what you want as long as you're loving God and can stand before him completely? You'll be okay. I think Ecclesiastes is just really trying to give us this sober kind of idea. It says, therefore, remove sorrow from your heart, put away evil from your flesh. Uh, childhood and youth are vanity, but enjoy your life. Enjoy the investments you make. One of the things I really, a movie I really like, Big Kahuna, really sets up this idea that are you trying to lead people to Christ as a salesman? or because you genuinely have a relationship with that person. When when Dwight became a Christian, was it through friendship, do you think, or do you think it was just a sales transaction? I, I think that we have to pause and say, why am I invested in this person? And hopefully you can say, I honestly have a great relationship with this person. They are my friend. Do I want to see them come to know the Lord? Absolutely I do. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Let's be friends of sinners. And if we're honest, that's hard. It's hard to invest and not see the results that we want, to have that long-term mindset, that long-term vision. And in those moments, verses like 1 Corinthians 15, 58 apply so well. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain just because we can't see the results right now. Putting in time to build relationships, to invest in people, it doesn't mean that that's in vain. And we shouldn't give up. 
on the other side of that, I think sometimes because we can't see the results and because we have short-term vision, we look at the things that God's calling us to, and before we even start the work, we decide that it's not worth it, that it's, that it's not worth the time or the effort or the energy, the relational mess. It's not worth it. And we disqualify ourselves from that work. Before we get involved, we, we already decide, man, that's just going to be in vain. And Solomon's reminding us, we don't know. We don't know which one's going to succeed or how people are going to be impacted or what amazing thing that God will do with something that seems insignificant to us, like talking to a coworker and becoming their friend and sharing the gospel in some small ways, what the impact will be of that. And through this whole book, he's reminding us that we don't have a lot of time and that life is fleeting. Like it says in Ephesians 5, Pay careful attention then how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making most of the time because the days are evil. We can't let an incomplete picture of what will happen or uncertainty, just waiting for the right situation to come along or the fear of rejection stop us because life is fleeting and we might not get another chance. I read this great quote this week from Tom Brady, Graham. Tom Brady. And it says, and that's where the opportunity lies. People want to believe that there's going to be another opportunity so they don't have to do the hard work. Because if you think that you're going to get all the shots, you'll pace yourself. And I think that's so true, especially as we follow the Lord. We think, I'll have another opportunity. I'll have another shift. I'll have another coffee uh, meeting. I'll have another chance to do what God's telling me to do. Instead, what if we looked at all these opportunities and thought, this is that moment in time that God's calling me to do something. So this week, read through chapter 11 in Ecclesiastes and think about where are you at? Do you have the mindset like in verse 1 and 2 where you're just you're using the gifts and the talents and the, and the relationships that God's placed in your life and you're investing in those? Are you kind of waiting for the right moment for all the signals and the situation to be just right before you follow God in that way? Or do you love Tom Brady and you can't believe that he would say something like this and you want to talk about it? Wherever you're at, we'd love to see you on Sunday and let's talk about that this week.